Hey folks, thanks for coming back, or if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to Cause We Had To, podcast that celebrates entrepreneurs, creators, people dedicated to leading and creating great cultures wherever they work and live. I'm Brian Castle, your host, my co-pilot here on the podcast and life. Kevin Jones. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Good morning, Brian. How are you, my friend? I'm always good when we're doing this. Uh, I wake up thinking this is going to be a good day, and it always happens. So yeah, that's where I am, man. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm especially excited uh, given our guest today because um, somebody that's really impressive and also doing really impressive work. So I think that uh, people who are listening are really in for a treat. I think so too. And I know you and I are both excited that she's brought her considerable talents to the world of nonprofits and social impact, which that's what we need our our nonprofits to be like. And we're talking about Ashley Sharp, executive director of Dwell with Dignity, a very special uh, charity in Dallas, Texas. And we'll have her on after we talk about some things near and dear to our hearts. So, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been a tough year, Kevin. Uh, here we are in December recording this. Um, but, you know, we've talked about this when things got really tough in March. We talked about it. We've revisited uh, both on the podcast and in private conversations. You know, years like this, if you if you can survive, um, they teach you a lot. They make you they really do make you stronger if you're willing to take those lessons on board. And I'm just curious, you know, you're, you're now running a team that's twice as big uh, as when we started the year um, and you're still standing. Um, so what are some of the things you've learned in 2020? Yeah. I mean, as everyone knows, it's an interesting year, especially when your core client is a small to mid-sized business, which obviously have been impacted. And, you know, the things, Man, the main thing I learned this year from a like hourly facing perspective is the the power of communication. And, you know, when you go through difficult times, it's just my style, as you know, has always been to be like overly candid to all levels of the organization. And I think that really helped us sand a lot of edges this year because tough decisions, um, you know, come about in in times when revenue and and volume and things like that are impacted. But it's being open and honest and talking through the whys and eliciting opinions from all levels of the organization allows for, you know, uh, organizations, I think, to find ways to be resilient, um, to have grit, uh, but to do so together and and, uh, feel, you know, um, committed versus compliant to decisions that are being made. And minimizing execution risk, uh, certainly when you have to execute uh, more difficult uh, tasks, then it's, it's more fun to execute on growth <laughs> than uh, protection. So um, the other thing, I, you know, I think that I, I learned this year is there's time and a place for, for titles, but sometimes just throw them out the window. <laughs> because when you get into a uh, scenario in which things are, are difficult, challenging, you know, your obligation to all the team members that you have, all the customers that you have, all the partners that you have, and all the investors that you have is to create safety of the organization because it's it's a home to a lot of things. And 
throwing titles out and creating a circle of really high aptitude, dedicated, bright, resilient team members really enabled us to fight through the tough times this year. So we found a lot of, of, of really uh, nuggets of gold through this year, and I think a lot of people did. So that said, I mean, you in a business also. Um, how about you, Brian? What did you learn this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, even though we're more of a boutique and you guys have crossed, you guys at Solero have kind of crossed that bridge from small to mid-sized company. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the same lessons apply, you know, no matter what size you are. And I think of a couple of things and we've really tried to double down on empathy you know, within our little organization and making sure that in a hard year, if, if you've got people along with you on your ride in a hard year, you need to make sure everybody's getting what they need out of this. I've had conversations with Suzette about this and, you know, as we've grown with Annie and Taylor, just making sure that you stay flexible and attuned to what folks need because this is the kind of year that makes everything harder. You know, just doing any damn thing is harder. Uh, Whether it's going to the grocery store, (laughs) you know, much less getting your work done. And so I've just tried to dial into my more compassionate side and try to, frankly, try to emulate the people that I'm surrounded with and I'm blessed to be surrounded with and try to live up to the standards that they set, you know, with regard to that. And then, you know, that extends to your clients too. And, you know, we've had a little attrition this year in a number of clients because some of our clients needed to step back with based on everything that happened. Fortunately, we've grown a lot too. Um, But I'm trying to be empathetic to both sides. and, and and really, it reemphasizes my mission, which is not trying to be something for everybody, you know, but really fix in on who we can be of value to and try to be everything to that somebody. And so if that's a Solero or, or one of our other clients, if they need us to be a more versatile version of ourselves you know i stand here at the end of the year back in april i was looking for assistance financially wherever i could find it. personal business whatever i'm no bit different from a lot of small business owners but thanks to the dedication of uh clients and our people we're in a way better place than we were even in february before all this hit so i'm, I'm just kind of filled with gratitude. So, you know, there's been a lot to cry about for a lot of people this year. And there's also been some good times. Um, You know, we've even had some good times together, you and I. What was maybe your favorite aha moment or epiphany where you just were able to sit back and smile uh, this year? I'm curious. Probably had 20 of them, but. I really did. And uh, I think the, the biggest one is, you know, we acquired six organizations over the last two years. And, you know, we've been trying to, 
as you said, be empathetic. Um, servant leaders uh, talk a lot about the whys and where we're going so that we could integrate those pieces to a single kind of flag that we all are proud to, proud to hold. And, you know, with, as these different human beings are entering our organization and becoming family, we run into this, right? And it, it creates a lot of obstacles. The thing that I think I'm most grateful for from a business perspective is the resiliency of the team. Because you, just like friendships, you don't really know what you've got until you're down, right? Um, uh, locker rooms, winning locker rooms are pretty easy to survive in. You know, when you start uh, taking on some serious obstacles that everything's not favorable, you see what you've got. And what I saw is a is a very resilient team that, frankly, um, it helped us come together and uh, understand one another. Communicate, you know, think about communicating uh, a vision having like a six month plan to doing it and changing that to six days because we got to get there. <laughs> you know? It really uh, enabled us in a lot of ways to grow as a company. And then I think on the, on the personal side, and this is not as positive is I saw how vital um, and important structure and social circles are to, to specifically children, you know? Um, and so that's something that's been really concerning me is uh, just, the impact of what we've been going through on, you know, the, just the psyche of, of, of our youth. And I think that, you know, we're not doing enough to talk about that, frankly, I think it's being um, buried a little bit, which I'm pretty frustrated with. So I think, um, you know, that's something I've seen across wide spectrum and, you know, super appreciative of certain opportunities we've had to remain engaged and, and keep, keep uh, our children and, and a lot of children we know, of course, uh, engaged in a specific like soccer and things like that just to keep I mean that's been the biggest probably blessing of the year is that you know they're able to maintain those circles but I think those are the two main things this year but I mean I'll be blunt and honest we found out if we how in love we are with our spouses <laughs> we found out um, we work through family issues if you're spending that much time together you know you've got to you've got you've to work through. I think it's been a very positive year for a lot of families and a negative year for a lot of families, frankly. And that's what I was saying is like, you figured it out one way or the other. I mean, I know for, for the two of us, luckily that was very positive. And that's kind of been a theme of our friendship for 20 years. Our first interview on television 20 years ago, we, we were, we were going on and on about your wife and my fiance. And I hid my, I hid uh, my engagement ring at your house. Remember that? <laughs> um, so you know, I'll flip that around too, because I'm really interested. You're a thoughtful guy. What, what's, what's been the big takeaway this year uh, for you? Just the way the people professionally that I work with have really pulled together. And then talking about the family thing too, you know, I, you know, I have a three-year-old and I've watched, they don't, they don't understand what's going on at all. There's no way I can explain to him why he has to wear a mask. I can't explain to him why his school closed in March and why I don't know when he can go to school again. Like it's it's different for a parent of a three-year-old versus kids in elementary, middle, and high school because there's this feeling as a father, as a parent, there's this feeling of helplessness, you know? And... You know, we've just tried to pull together as a family and it's it's sort of called upon me and my wife to 
almost obliterate our expectations of what we need to get done every day. We have to figure out ways to put him first. And if that means putting down my work for an hour or two, you know, to go play with him and make sure we're keeping him happy and developing and get my work done at night. Sometimes I realize that's a privilege. A lot of parents don't have, but it's, it's, it's part of the well of resources that we go to. And and then also I, I've seen the pandemic have, uh, you know, it's had a lot of terrible effects on seniors and, um, I've watched my wife and her sisters rally to take care of their parents who are in their 80s, my in-laws. It's been particularly hard to keep my parents' spirit up because we live apart and we have to stay apart. My dad has COPD. I live with an autoimmune disorder. If either of us got COVID, that'd be it. Matter of days. So... I've tried, you know, I've lived with my autoimmune for more than two decades. I know about choices to be made living with fear or with hope and opportunity. And so I've chosen to live my life with the latter. So, yeah, just seeing how people act and perform and really look out for each other this year. Uh, it's it's incredible in light of all of that weighty stuff. Happy 2021 from our presenting sponsor, Solero Commerce. Last year, we proudly stepped up to the plate to help small and mid-sized businesses when they needed it most. This year, we're moving forward with that mission and working harder than ever. Learn how we can help at solerocommerce.com. Kevin, we're about to have a great guest on as we've alluded to earlier in our conversation. Um, I think this is going to bring back a lot of memories for you uh, from the Dallas days. It's only been a couple of years, but it probably feels like an eon uh, sometimes with all that's gone on in the world since then. Ashley Sharp is the executive director of Dwell with Dignity, an amazing charity uh, in Dallas. She's an emerging thought leader, uh, in the area of social impact and innovation. She's part of an emerging uh, vanguard of folks that I really admire that are bringing an entrepreneur's uh, perspective and and mentality to everything she does. And so I've been eager for you to meet her. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Tell us a little bit about Dwell with Dignity and its mission, please. I would love to, but first I have to start at the beginning. So we're very connected with the community here in Dallas, and that's something that I'm personally passionate about. And I think that it amplifies the voices of other nonprofits when you can come alongside them and offer a second step. So you don't want to duplicate what they're doing, but you want to make sure that you're offering a service that can come in and enhance the lives of their clients after they're through with the program that they've been previously enrolled in. So we find these amazing nonprofits in Dallas who are helping families transform their lives through job coaching, career assistance, parenting skills, and financial literacy and management, which I think is so important for everyone nowadays. And you really see the family grow through their time 
in this transitional housing opportunity. And then they graduate. And something that we've talked about is when you move into a home and you have no resources, it's like opening a present on Christmas morning and finding nothing inside. So you don't have the resources or the ability to decorate your house. You don't have a bed for your children. We've had families who are sharing spoons, who are sleeping on pallets on the floor. So these families have gone through this life-changing work, and then suddenly they find themselves back at square one, and they feel so deflated. It's something that we don't want for any family here. And so we're able to come in and literally tell them that they should just bring the clothes on their back. And so they have everything that they need to be equipped to handle their life, their family, their career without having to worry about their interior or their living situation. So not only do we do all of their furniture and decor, but we come in and we give them sheets groceries, a hot meal on their first night. We're so careful about what we do to make sure that there's nothing that they could possibly need. And so that way their focus is on their family and on their success. Because what we want them to do is to continue showing up at work, to continue to get raises and to take care of their children, to have a space where they can do homework with their kids at night and play games and obviously post-COVID have birthday parties and family gatherings. So what we want to do is we want to inspire the entire community and familial unit through the success of this family. So a lot of times families who don't have a stable housing situation will end up doing something we call rent chasing. So they'll end up moving a lot of times to find $50, $100 a month off their rent. Uh, And so they end up putting their kids in different school districts. We see a higher dropout rate. So something that we like to do is to make sure that they're in a living situation that is stable for them, that they have affordable rent, and then just community resources and support. So that way they can stay in that home for a longer period of time. Their child stays in that school district. They're able to graduate, create friends, memories. And so then Anytime that someone comes into their circle, they see this and they feel this. So maybe it's an aunt or an uncle or a cousin who's coming in and they're seeing the success that this family has. And that makes them want this as well. And so it really stabilizes not just the nuclear family, but the extended family as well. And so we're really passionate about making sure that these families are able to maintain the connections with their family and their community and to also continue to grow and inspire others through it. So... I know you're going beyond helping these individual families. Right now, you're helping a family about every two weeks, which if you, Kevin, if you think about extreme home makeover, the idea of you've got, what, a thousand volunteers, Ashley? We do. Yes, we have a thousand volunteers. Including some of our top level designers in Dallas. There's a lot of them. Um Going in and doing these home makeovers in a couple of weeks is pretty amazing stuff. But I know you're going beyond this, the family unit. Talk to us a little bit about ways that you're innovating in the coming year. Yeah, so there's two things that we're really working on right now. And one of them was driven by the pandemic. And that is because a lot of families aren't moving right now. Just because of the pandemic, they're kind of staying in the transitional housing that they have. And so we've been working with community partners. And by community partners, I mean any nonprofit in Dallas or the community who is providing a service to a client and doesn't have the ability to either design or furnish a space. And so a lot of times we get called in for very specific spaces. So something that we've been called in recently a lot about is doing uh, community spaces for 
therapy. Uh, there's actually a few organizations we've worked with recently that are doing sex trafficking uh, relief for individuals aged 12 to 17, which is horrible when you think about a 12-year-old child who's experienced these kind of terrors in their life already. And all they're trying to do is create a safe space for them. And so we go in and we make sure that there's everything that they might need to be able to provide therapy in a safe, loving room, to be able to give them a shower or a place to take a nap. Uh, we also do community rooms where people can come and get resources. So if you're a woman who's trying to escape from domestic violence, you maybe can't use your computer at home to look up a resource. You can't begin to prepare for your life after this relationship. And so we've gone in and we've created resource rooms with computers where women can feel safe and secure. We've created clothing closets and boutiques where they can shop for themselves and their families, especially as they're reentering the workforce. So there's a lot of opportunity out there besides just family homes. And so now we get calls almost every other week for someone in the community saying, hey, you know, we have a resource center for children who are refugees and they don't speak English and we're trying to create this learning opportunity for them. Can you come in and help us do this? And so we're really excited that this is something that we're being able to innovate in this space. It's something that's never really been done before. I don't know of any other nonprofit who's going in and serving their community friends and partners in this way. And it's amazing because we are able to create connections that end up leading to referrals for families. And so a refugee family can get referred to us now because we've served their child and they're aware of us and what we do. And we're able to make an even bigger difference. And so that's why we're so excited to be part of the United Way is because we do have this innovative uh, view of what we can do and how we can connect best with uh, families in our community. And so what we're trying to do is to grow that because right now, like you said, we're serving one every other week, which is fantastic, but we can do more. And so if we want to quadruple our impact, that means that we need to have more referrals and more connections to the community. And so that's one of the ways that we're currently innovating right now that I'm really passionate about. And I'm hopeful that we can continue to serve community partners and make a difference in their clients and also their staff's lives. So the three of us are now in the same universe, yourself, Kevin, and, and me, um, thanks to a mutual friend, Lane Connor, one of the more active folks in terms of uh, volunteerism and, and philanthropy uh, that I've met. He currently sits on the board of a, a really interesting program that the United Way of Metro Dallas is doing. They've got a social innovation accelerator and it very much parallels, Kevin, some of the stuff you've seen with Techstars and, and other outfits um, that are geared toward for-profits. Um, they've got this great program where they're helping nonprofits and more socially driven for-profits grow uh, quickly and sustainably, which ties into our sponsor, Solero Commerce. Um, and the, the actual mission of Solero mirrors that, helping businesses grow quickly and sustainably. Share with us, Ashley, what is going on in Dallas with this program, how it's helping you reshape your organization's missional approach and what you're observing it impacting other organizations as well that are close to your heart. 
I would love to. So obviously Dallas is like a mini San Francisco right now, which I'm loving. I mean, the innovations in the tech and entrepreneurship fields are fantastic. And I love that this is starting to bleed over into the nonprofit world. So I always think it's interesting that people run nonprofits differently than businesses. Honestly, they're the same. It's just where the money goes and their stakeholders in both. Uh, and so I believe firmly in running my company like a business, like a traditional business that anyone would come across. And we just have a slightly different bent. And so what I think is so important is that the United Way seems to echo this. And they are rewarding those in the community who are thinking innovatively and outside of the box and who are trying new things. And they reward those who aren't afraid of failure. And I think that's so important nowadays because there's so many traditional nonprofits who are scared to make a misstep. And instead they're saying, we will come alongside you and we will support you and help you through this process. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, we'll find another way. And so the United Way has been a great partner of Dwell with Dignity. And we recently got into the Social Innovation Accelerator based on our concept Thrift Studio. So Thrift Studio is a month-long pop-up store. So we were actually one of the first pop-up stores in Dallas. Uh, so this is the 13th iteration. So it's been around for a long time. And someone came to our founder, Lisa Robison, and said, I love what you guys do, but you need some type of sustainable revenue. Asking for money is not sustainable. There's so many nonprofits in Dallas. Everyone's going around and talking to the same people. What can you do to differentiate yourself? And so they had this beautiful white sofa. And I don't know if y'all have kids, but you cannot put a white sofa in a family house. It will be trashed in a matter of moments. It won't make it through the day. And so they thought this beautiful sofa could potentially fund an entire family install if we sell it. And so they took this sofa and they sold it. They made a couple thousand dollars. And then they realized there's so many beautiful things that are being donated that we can take some of them for the family homes and then take the rest of them, stage them into vignettes with designers in the community, sell them to the public, and then make money. So this year alone, we made $580,000 selling donated goods. Every single piece in there was donated. And also, this cuts down on waste in the design community. So the design community is known for being a little profligate sometimes. And so if a customer orders a piece and it doesn't work, they have to either trash the piece or sometimes they will take it and use it for parts or pieces. But these beautiful custom-made $1,000 pieces can't be used. And so instead of sticking it in the trash, we say, donate it to us. We will give you a full tax write-off. We'll take the piece and sell it so sometimes there's chip and dent. There might be a scratch on something, but that's okay. We have people who can repair it, who can make it beautiful again. And a lot of times people who come in the stores are going to repaint it anyways, or they have a vision for it for the future. And we're able to sell these gorgeous pieces, cut down on waste in the community, and be able to fund our mission. It's roughly 70% of our entire funding. So this revenue source is obviously sustainable. It's something that we've been able to grow. And so the United Way thought this is a really great opportunity to be able to amplify what you're already doing. And so the concept that I came up with um, over the past year is to take Thrift Studio and to increase the impact by involving other nonprofits who have a sustainable revenue source in the community. 
So there's a lot of smaller nonprofits who are selling things to benefit their clients, but they don't have a storefront. They really don't have a strong web presence. Uh, and so what we want to do is create a marketplace where they can come into our thrift store and be able to sell their goods to get market recognition, to be able to get some revenue. And so this partnership would strengthen us to increase our offerings. It would strengthen them because they'd have more visibility in the community. And also it would strengthen our positioning to be able to go to organizations like the United Way or different family foundations and say, when you support Dwell with Dignity, you're actually supporting five or six other nonprofits. And so this gives us an opportunity to really increase our impact because what we want to do is support nonprofits. We want to support people in the community who are in need. And that gives us an opportunity through this innovation to be able to reach more people and to create a space where people can connect. And that's something that obviously during COVID we realized is so important is that these connection spaces can really create synergy in the community, can help brands grow new ideas thrive. And so we want to make sure that we are part of that conversation and we have the ability to organize it. So your, found, your founder, Lisa Robinson, who's currently your, your board chair, laid out a wonderful foundation where you joined the organization the last couple of years and you and your team are taking it to new heights. What are some of those leadership keys that you've seen really benefit the organization? This is a great question and one that I'm really passionate about. I'm actually joining the University of Houston next year as a professor of management to leadership. And so this is something that I love talking about. And I am a millennial. Uh, and so millennial leadership is another uh, hot button topic of mine that I, I love to discuss. And so my big leadership philosophy is to find the brightest people that I can and to have them tell me what they need. And so I do not micromanage. Uh, I could go a couple weeks sometimes without talking to some of my employees. And what I know is that they have the interest of the organization at heart. They bleed this mission. And so when you find people who truly love what they do and who have expertise and experience, then you should let them run with their ideas. Uh, and I'm also a big believer in that 85% of the time, we're going to get it right. And 15% of the time, we're going to get it wrong and to go fast. And that's something that we all do is we all move very quickly. So uh, I love to read Tim Ferriss. Uh, he has some really fantastic books about uh, mentorship and leadership. And so those are some of the concepts that you know I've seen reiterated in there is that we want to be able to move quickly and we want to be nimble so we can respond to the need of the community. And by being so tight knit and we're a very small team, there's only six of us we can respond with more ease and we can really see what works for us and abandon those ideas that aren't going to do us any good. And so one of the other things that I believe in is don't get married to any idea or concept. Something that I absolutely hate to hear is, well, that's the way it's always been done. Do not say that around me. I will go insane because it doesn't matter how it was done. It matters what we need to do now to move forward. And it is important to know the historical context of your organization, but it's even more important to respond to the current political needs of your community and to be able to say, okay, this isn't working for us. And what can we do differently? And like I said, if you find people who are bright and experienced and creative, then you let them lead you. I'm there. I always say that I'm, I'm the mom. You know, I, I let them go and be free. And then I say, okay, 
what do you guys need? What are we doing here? That's not a great idea. Let's go ahead and move forward with this. But I always want them to come to me with their ideas first. Preach, Ashley. I love it. I mean, that's, I really have made a career based off most of the characteristics you just described. And I couldn't agree more with you about the difference between like the modern CEO uh, and, and the ones that we saw in the past, the difference between feeling like you have to have the ego to make every decision versus facilitating good decisions. And, you know, we say I'm in Nashville now. So my new thing is when we hire people, they have to be able to play their instrument to the ground. <laughs> and so whatever discipline they're in, you know, they're obviously better than me at that discipline. And therefore my job is to empower them and challenge them. Um, but to, uh, to trust them and, and not micromanage. So we, we share a lot of the same traits and, uh, that was, that was refreshing frankly, to hear and, and I applaud it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and I don't want to be an expert in all those fields. I don't have the time. It's exhausting. <laughs> but by finding people that you trust and that you gel with, then they can be the experts. And then that lets me be free to do something like this, to come talk to you guys and to be able to be the voice of Dwell with Dignity and the voice of my employees. And then I go back and they're energized and uh, you know upbeat and ready to go on what they need to do. Well, too many CEOs today still um, go home after working a really, really long day, which a lot of us do, but they go home after working a really long day and they've checked a lot of to-dos and therefore they feel like they have done a great job. But what the problem is, is like not enough people spend time in the lighthouse. Our end job is to create like a true North vision. You know, what is the vision of the organization? And then bleeding that down to, you know, the incentives of every single team member in the organization that we're driving the behavior that leads to that true North goal. But if people don't spend enough time in the lighthouse and trust their teammates, you know, they're basically shielding them from growth and they're also shielding the organization from growth. So, you know, being able to go up and climb the tree and look out over the horizon and, and, and create clear uh, vision and goals is, is so, so vital, especially this time of year, right? Absolutely. And it's funny because you just mentioning checking things off your to-do list. When you're in this position, you will never complete your to-do list. Exactly. There will always be something else. So if you're one of those people that has to complete everything by the end of the day, you are in the wrong field or position. Well, Ashley, um, I knew this would be good and it was. Let me put it that way. Thanks for joining us today. Um, best wishes for 2021. Um, I know it's going to be a big year for you and your team. Thanks for coming on and sharing about the organization. We appreciate you. Well, thank you so much, Kevin and Brian. I loved getting to know you guys better and look forward to talking with you guys soon. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks for listening to Because We Had To, a production of Solero Commerce and the Park Life Podcast Network. To learn more about the incredible work that Ashley and her team are doing in the Dallas community, visit dwellwithdignity.org. 